What happens when you don't learn from your mistakes? If you're a child, you know, your parents might increase your consequences. If you're an employee, potentially you could get fired. And if you're a business owner, you know, you could lose clients or money. You know, in general, bad things happen when you don't learn from your mistakes. Today on Stories of Scripture, we're exploring the Tower of Babylon, or as your Bible probably calls it, the Tower of Babel, a story found in Genesis 11. It's the culminating story of Genesis 1 through 11 and highlights how, highlights how humans are continuing in destructive behavior and how God steps in to stop it. We want to dive into Genesis 11, but first we need to back up a bit and summarize the story so far. As a book, Genesis can be divided into two main parts, chapters 1 through 11 and then chapters 12 through 50. And 1 through 11 describes the beginning of the world. Genesis 1 and 2 is about creation. God creates, he creates the world, creates everything in the world, he creates human. And there's a peaceful harmony that exists. Like It's a great place to live. And then in Genesis 3, Adam and Eve choose to rebel and disobey God, eat the fruit. So they're kicked out of the garden and they have curses and consequences. Genesis 4, you know, continues that downward spiral for humanity with Cain and Abel, Cain murdering his brother, and then the story of a man named Lamech, who's a descendant of Cain, and he, you know, brags about murdering someone, brags about being worse than Cain. In Genesis 5, you have genealogy, and then Genesis 6, you have, in verses 5 to 6, it says, The Lord saw how great man's wickedness had become and that every inclination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil all the time. The Lord was grieved that he had made man on the earth, and his heart was filled with pain. You know, I, just think about what it would be like for the thought of your heart to be only evil all the time. You know, I can't imagine like how bad the earth got at that point. You know, in four chapters span, we went from peaceful harmony with God to only evil all the time. And that grieved the Lord. But in the midst of this evil and wickedness, you know, there was one man, Noah. And Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. It says he walked with God. And so God decides to choose Noah and kind of start over. You know, he sends a flood on the earth. He saves Noah through an ark along with animals and his family. And then when Noah departs from the ark, and he makes a covenant with him, and kind of like, we're going to start this thing over again and see what happens. And with Noah, you know, you have some hope. You know, he's someone who walked with God. Maybe things will turn out differently for him and the world this time. But Noah's story ends with um, a story about his vineyard. Um, and the elements of this story are supposed to remind us and you know, help us remember what happened in Genesis 3. You know, Noah builds a vineyard, which is kind of like a garden. He grows some fruit, grows some grapes, um, and then he makes those grapes into wine. He consumes them, just like Adam and Eve consumed the fruit. And then he has like some shameful sexual experience with his son. And that kind of that mirrors the shameful sexual experience that Adam and Eve had with their bodies with each other after they had the fruit and their eyes were open. So even this man that was told to have walked with God, you know, his story ends on a down note. And so you're kind of left wondering, like, what is going to happen after God cleansed the world? Is it going to go up? Is it going to go down? Um, and then we get to Genesis 11, the Tower of Babylon. 
Now the whole world had one language and a common speech. As people moved eastward, they found a plain in Shinar and settled there. They said to each other, Come, let's make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They used brick instead of stone and tar for mortar. Then they said, Come, let us build, a, build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens, so that we may make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we will be scattered over the face of the whole earth. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower the people were building. The Lord said, If as one people speaking the same language they've begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and confuse their language so they do not understand each other. So the Lord scattered them from over, from there over all the earth, and they stopped building the city. That is why it was called Babylon, because there the Lord confused the language of the whole world, and from there the Lord scattered them over the face of the whole earth. You know, let's take a minute to debrief this story and offer some thoughts. First, I would encourage you to read it for yourselves. An open Bible, just read chapters Genesis 1 through 11, just see this, you know, general downward spiral of humanity. And one note, you know, why do I call it the Tower of Babylon instead of the Tower of Babel? The word usually translated here as Babel is translated Babylon everywhere else in the Bible, and using Babylon, I believe, helps tie into what we know of Babylon from the rest of the Bible. You know, it's generally a city that's opposed to God. You'd be expected for God to bring judgment against a city like that. You know, the question I really want to ponder is, why does God personally intervene? Being a 21st century American, you know, I can't imagine this tower was really all that high. You know, they're using bricks and tar. Like, it's not going to get that tall. I mean, the text itself has an interesting word choice. You know, they wanted the tower to reach to the heavens, so they wanted to be super tall. But the Lord said he had to come down in order to see the tower. So this isn't even even like in the realm of like where the Lord is. So that highlights like it's not a very tall tower. But based on the story so far, what kind of place do you imagine Babylon to be? A good place? A bad place? You know, the text itself has an interesting snippet so that we may make a name for ourselves. You know, that's their motivation for the city and the tower. They want to do it for themselves. It's a city that doesn't have room for God. And I would imagine it's probably a place full of evil, a place where man's heart is again full of wickedness all the time, to paraphrase Genesis 6. And God intervening demonstrates his pattern of not letting wickedness continue indefinitely. As First Peter says, God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. When nations, cities, and people choose to ignore God, to find good and evil how they see fit, they fall under God's judgment. It might not happen quickly, but being under God's judgment is a place to avoid. It's the proverbial, the clock is ticking, or living on borrowed time. You know, this happens many times throughout Scripture. For individuals, you know, Saul is a good example. He starts out really great, but by the end of the story, like, he's a prideful person, and God judges him for that. 
and for nations, you know, happens to the Assyrians, the Babylonians, and actually God's chosen people of Israel, to name a few. And Babylon's motivation for this tower is pride. They set themselves against God with that mindset, and God does something about it. We, in general, want to be a people who avoid God's judgment and live in harmony with God. At this point in the story, there's not much hope or instructions of how to do that, but in our next story, we'll begin to explore how God is going to bring that about. Until next time, God bless. Thank you all for listening. To find out more about the podcast, visit storiesofthefaith.org. You can like, subscribe, or block this podcast. Whatever you feel is the appropriate action to take is totally within your control. Until next time.